Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week and back this time to take a look at the summer transfer window of 2023. Enough time has now passed that we can officially look back and rank some of the best value transfers that we saw last summer. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me, as ever, my co-host, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, I mean, my role as a transfer guru is usually looking forward, not backwards. Um, So this is a little bit of change of pace, having to reverse a little bit and actually judge what deals were worth the money. Um, But that's good. It's good fun, especially when you consider the January transfer window was a complete dud. The summer window definitely wasn't. A load of stuff happened and we tend to forget uh, the moves that actually happened. And just reflecting on it, um, to build up this episode was actually interesting in itself just to remember the kind of deals that clubs were pulling off. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun exercise and yeah, I think this will be fun, mate. I think we've got some good stuff to dig into here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In part one, we're going to talk about the Premier League and in part two, we're going to run through some of the best deals across Europe as well. Lots to get through in that segment. And then we've got a very special guru wisdom in part three as well, something close to our hearts. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that bit right at the end. But let's start in the Premier League, Dean, and you can reel us through what you've got for us here. Yeah, well, when judging players in terms of their value. Um, I think there are various aspects that have to come into the equation. But ultimately, what did you pay? Did that player not only meet expectations, but preferably exceed them? And of course, what would this player be worth in the future? I'll be honest, I did have a bit of a dilemma thrown my way here because Declan Rice cost £105 million. And I actually think that's been really good value for money. So I had to consider, okay, that was actually a good deal even though it was ridiculous money. But is he one of the best value deals of this season? And ultimately, the answer to that is no. You've paid top money, you expect premium talent, and he has met that expectation. But that doesn't count as necessarily value for money. That is just, you got what you paid for. And it's a bit different because he can't really exceed that. And most clubs can't afford to go and spend £100 million. So... And you're probably never going to sell him on for the same value as well, right? So that that feeds into it a little bit, I think. Arsenal fans will say that they've got more than value for money, and that's completely fine. That's completely okay, but it doesn't make him a value signing from the summer. And I think that takes us on to what this episode truly is. 
you have to start dropping down the price brackets to find what actually enables a player to become a good value signing. And I kept dropping and it got down to £40 million was the point where I actually started to consider it to be a truly good deal at that price point. And actually at that at that valuation, there were two players that jumped out of me that really set the bar. And it was James Madison joining Tottenham for £40 million and Cole Palmer joining Chelsea from Man City at £40 million. And I think both of those have been excellent deals. And if I was doing a top five right now, they would both be considered. And to be honest, Palmer would probably be in it. But I'm doing a top three. And those two have come up just short. Okay, so you've sort of got a, a vague top five. It's probably worth pointing out at this point that we're also excluding loans and and also free transfers because yeah, I mean it that kind would be nonsense. Defeats the point of the episode. And that the would be complete exercise. nonsense. Absolutely. But I kept digging and I found three signings that provided even more value for money. These I consider to be amazing deals from last summer. And at number three. I start with Edson Alvarez, who joined West Ham United for £32 million from Ajax. I mentioned Declan Rice there, a £105 million player. West Ham had to go and replace him. They did that by bringing in Alvarez. And for much of this season, forget the current narrative around West Ham right now and how bad they are and David Moyes and the rest of it. For a lot of this season, West Ham fans considered that they were actually better off without Declan Rice in terms of the performance levels. Now, that has long been forgotten because of the immediacy bias that we have within football. But a lot of that was down to this man. He's put in some outstanding performances from the base of midfield for West Ham this season. A standout for me was when they beat Arsenal 2-0 at the end of December. Uh, He was brilliant, but there have been various top performances from him in the Premier League, um, also a few in Europe. He is just so often the guy that is in the right place at the right time and helps West Ham just alleviate some pressure. And, you know, that's not a coincidence. That is a reading of the game that is elite. And I think also what makes this such a good signing is when you consider how Alvarez has had to change his game from being at Ajax to being at West Ham. In the Ajax team, he was in a team that consistently dominated the ball. Yes, he was one of the best passers in that division and he would um, yeah, he would help them dominate games and dictate play. But at West Ham, he's seen far less of the ball. I mean, their average possession is around about the 42% mark this season. Mm. And you consider their style of play and they're often not dominating. They will quite frequently sit back and then hit their opponents on the counter. And he shifted well into that mould of football. I guess the only thing you could say he's going to have to continue to adjust is his yellow card record. I think he's got eight so far. Um, To be fair, he has actually started to pick up um, fewer recently. So that's been good and he's improving. You look at the results and games that he's missed. He's missed five games domestically. Um, They lost 1-0 to Bristol City when he wasn't playing. They lost 3-2 to Brentford when he wasn't playing. They lost 5-0 to Fulham when he wasn't playing. The other two games that he missed domestically drew 2-2 with Sheffield United and drew 1-1 with Bournemouth. This is a player that's become one of the first names on the West Ham team sheet. I think an absolute steal in the modern game. Let's remember, this is a position that players are now being bought for at that £100 million mark. So you get Enzo, you get Declan Rice, you get Caicedo, all around that £100 million mark. Edson Alvarez... At thirty-two million pound, around that point, absolute bargain. Yeah, agreed. That's a really, really good shout, and one that I hadn't considered. The Caduce deal at thirty-eight million pounds was one that I had on my sort of mini yeah, shortlist. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But I think you're right in terms of seeing what he's brought to the table. That quiet efficiency in the middle of the park, and that ever-present nature. As you say, it's one of those things that becomes really important. And when you are looking at these, you're looking at players and you want players who have slotted in immediately and made a tangible difference to the team. And I think that there are a few examples of someone doing that more effectively than Edson Alvarez in this West Ham side. So yeah, great shout. Yeah, cool. Um, Bit of an unsung hero, I guess. And kudos, like you say, like 
definitely good value for money. They've they've got a good deal there. They've unlike Man United, spell on right. Yeah, and unlike Man United, they found a way to get good value out of Ajax. Um, so maybe that's something to consider for the future. But yeah, three, I think he deserves his spot in this conversation. At two, we've got a goalkeeper. Yep, me, the guy that doesn't give goalkeepers any credit, is going to sit here and give a goalkeeper some credit. Because at two, we have Guglielmo Vicario, Venom, the Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper, who was signed for £16 million as Ange Postacoglu's first signing. And to be fair, Jack, you flagged this up at the time as a good deal. Um, now, coming in at this price point, he does have some competition because we also saw James Trafford join Burnley for £15 million and we saw Chelsea sign Petrovic for £12 million. And I think both of those are very good signings at, at a good, um, yeah, good price point. But Venom sees them both off, doesn't he? I mean, signed from Empoli, I guess because of the lack of knowledge around him from us over here in England and just not knowing enough about him, you think this guy's not going to be good enough to replace somebody of Hugo Lloris's stature long term. Well, he is. In fact, he's probably better in this style of play than Hugo Lloris would ever have been. He's an ever-present in the Premier League for Tottenham. Every month you see this guy listed uh, by the Premier League for save of the month. But more than that, He's got that art of being the modern-day sweeper-keeper. In terms of sweeper clearances, only Emi Martinez at Aston Villa is ahead of him in the rankings. And when you consider the passing out of the back that's become very important to Tottenham and how he sets the tone for that, he's very fitting with that style of play. £16 million for Vic, big Vic, is a great deal, mate. 27 years old, well done for calling it. I didn't think he would be this good. But um, in a world where I don't like to give out credit to goalkeepers, he's one of my favourites. Yeah, he's phenomenal, isn't he? And his shot-stopping ability, as you say, he has a bit of everything, right? There is that he makes those big saves and the saves of the cameras in some ways that you, you kind of like to watch. And as you say, save like of the that. month. Yeah. But also he does the simple stuff well as well. Now, he's not perfect, but for £17 million, I think when you compare him to James Trafford, and look, I like Trafford. I thought he was excellent when he was on loan at Bolton. And I think that long-term, Burnley should be sticking with him and making sure that they can build around that. But I think some of the performances this year haven't been great. And there have been question marks over, over a lot of the aspects of his game that he'll need to grow into. There's been almost none of that with Vicario. I think Petrovic could definitely be in the conversation here, considering... He was kind of signed as a backup and he's been he's very much made that number one shirt his own at Chelsea. I like that he does the simple things well, Petrovic. He's a good shot stopper. He claims balls well. He doesn't do anything that you don't expect him to, but he's a solid pair of hands between the sticks. I think Vicario eclipses that in that he's more than that. I think he's worth so much to what Tottenham do and his ability to bail them out of trouble has been really important in a system that does get opened up on occasion. So, yeah, I think he's right up there. To be honest, I, I probably would have had him at number one. But for now, I think that it's absolutely grand that he's in the list. Yeah, interesting. I mean, one thing that's been underlined already here, I guess, is that Tottenham have been managing to find some really good value deals. Um, I already mentioned Madison, mentioned him, and we'll get on to somebody else in a second. But at number one, the best value signing from the summer for this season, in my opinion, is Pau Torres. He joined Aston Villa for £33 million. Some say £35 million. Doesn't really matter. He's transformed the team. Loads of teams track this guy. Lost count of the amount of transfer stories I must have written about Pau Torres over the two years of him actually landing in the Premier League. And a lot of the time, there were doubts harboured around his physicality. Yeah. how he would deal with the um, aggressive nature of the Premier League and the relentlessness of it. And after his debut for Aston Villa, that intensified. People were really pondering then how long it might take him to adapt to English football. I read a couple of reviews of his early days at Aston Villa. And genuinely, people were like, oh, this is what people were talking about. They said he might struggle a bit. Let's hope he does come through. Look, Unai Emery obviously had faith in him and he knew him well already from VRAR. And now, let's be honest, 
Aston Villa are so much worse off when this guy is not around. Yeah. I mean, we saw it ourselves. Yeah, his absence has made it grow fonder, right? You're like, oh, wow, without Pau Torres, this team don't know how to build out from the back. And suddenly he comes back into the side and Villa look unbelievable again. Very frustrating. We were unlucky at the weekend because our Fulham team played against Aston Villa and he was back in the lineup. Well, if he hadn't played that day, I might have fancied we had a chance, mate. But because he was playing, we basically didn't have a chance. He transforms what this team are capable of. Not necessarily just defensively. I think you can still bring in players that can defend well. And, you know, Aston Villa have got um, some good players. Obviously, they've got Mings and they've got Diego Carlos. And they've got options, generally, if people are fit, that they could call upon. But Torres is above and beyond that, especially when it comes to Villa and their build-up play. Because Pau Torres helps. He's the first step um, on that journey. I mean, we talked about Emi Martinez a second ago and being a sweeper-keeper. Um, but Torres, having him in front of him, is a huge help too. He's just a massive miss when he's not there. People might have wondered why Villa were falling off a cliff recently after a really strong start to the season. Um, wondering whether they might even be able to get themselves into that title race, certainly being in the Champions League conversation. The reason they were falling off a cliff is probably because this guy wasn't playing. It's a big shout to put him in at the best value deal of the season because there is competition. All the guys that I've already mentioned are are great deals. Um, But I obviously also had to consider players of his type and his position that had been bought around that same time and how they had managed to uh, do across this period. Van der Ven comes closest and it's without harsh. the injury without the injury maybe he's in here i think he's a fantastic signing 34.5 million pound van der ven cost and it is brilliant and when he's in that side along along with romero tottenham have potentially the best partnership in the league if you could stick them together for a for a long period of time his pace his reading it's all there they've got it all and again go back to the fact tottenham really are finding some good deals in the market right now so that was obviously a, a good signing, um, and he deserves a shout out. And Tottenham fans will probably think he should be uh, in this list. But I still say that Power is a better signing when you go like for like across the season so far and consider what they've brought to the team. Also, I would say right, look, let's look at other players that you could compare Pau Torres to in terms of uh, being bought for similar positions. Urien Timber and Axel De Sassi. They were both bought last summer at around £38.5 million each. Obviously, Urien Timber, impossible to judge because of his, his injury. Um, and that was unfortunate. Disassi, he's obviously been hit and miss, hasn't he? We know on his day he's great, but yeah, he's had too many a- off days to even come close to comparing his, his impact on the team to, to Pau Torres. Yeah. yeah Vardy I, I think was 77, mate. It's interesting because obviously Dezassi just had the game of his life at the weekend against Manchester City. So at the moment, people will be like, oh, if he plays like that every week, then that's exactly what you'd expect. Or that's that's far more than you'd expect for a player at this price point. Mm. He was absolutely sensational. But over the course of the season, the consistency that Pau Torres and someone like Mickey van der Ven, I think, put in, put them far ahead of where Dezassi is in, in these kind of standings right now. Yeah, and as I say, Gvardiol, £77 million. I know he hasn't strictly been a centre-back this season, but um, you can still make a comparison in terms of what you're getting for value for money. Pau Torres knocks it out of the park. In terms of a resale value, if they were to go on and sell Pau Torres, which they absolutely will not be looking to do in, fancy you could double your money. I yeah. mean, you'd certainly be looking to get in excess of £50 million at this point. Um, obviously the market is changing a little bit right now and that would have um, an effect on things but I think if you're looking for a gauge on on what this guy is going to be worth in the future then to expect him to double that 33 million pound price point would be valid and I think that with that in mind Pau Torres is probably the best value transfer that we've seen from last summer. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very valid shout. I, I think I'd still have Vicario ahead of him, but Pau Torres was definitely in my list as well. A couple of other honourable mentions, if you will. Thomas Kaminsky, £2.5 million, pounds, and that's the third goalkeeper we've, we've referenced, but £2.5 million pounds to Luton Town. He's been immense. And people will look at where Luton are and the amount of goals they've conceded and say, 
how can you see that? But when you watch Kaminsky week in, week out, he makes an incredible amount of saves. He's endeared himself massively to the Hatters faithful. And I think mm. that at that kind of price point, they would have struggled to get anyone near this level of quality to, to make that step up with them. So I wanted to just give him a shout. The other one that I kind of was thinking about was Joao Pedro at £30 million pounds yeah. for Brighton and Hove Albion. Because I think in Joao Pedro, they might well have a striker that they can sell on for, as you say, double that money, maybe more. He has a bit of everything to his game. And I think over the course of this season, he's grown into this Brighton team. There's a lot of rotation that Deserby does, people coming in and out. He's obviously got big competition in the likes of Evan Ferguson and, uh, and Danny Welbeck. But when he's played and the way he knits things together in the middle there, he's a very, very unique footballer. And I really, really like him at 30 million. That looks a little bit like a steal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I did. I did briefly uh, consider him. Um, impact level wise, he can have it. Not always, though. Um, uh, I feel like this is a fantastic side, and it's a great price to get him at. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we've got other episodes lined up uh, over the coming weeks where I think we'll be talking about João Pedro, but just didn't quite make it for me. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's a it's a very very interesting list, and I think that you've nailed it basically in terms of these price points. This this got middle ground. Alexis McAllister is one that maybe jumps out at me that would be an obvious not an inclusion. Yeah, here. I'm just not convinced that he's actually thirty five million pound, and I'm putting him more at the fifty million pound. And I also don't think that his influence has been good enough to quite make it into the list. No, I mean, look, he been... just wasn't there for me. Yeah, and, and I think that Alexis would have a shout. I think Endo probably would have a shout as well in here. Um, but equally, I do appreciate that Liverpool's rotations in midfield, some of them forced, obviously, but the rotations in midfield maybe just mean that the influence hasn't been quite as heavy from these players as it has for others. And the players that we're talking about here are ones that have come in and basically been unmovable from their starting spots for their respective teams since they've since they've joined the club and that's not even not quite the case at Liverpool just with the amount of differing options and differing kind of combinations that Jurgen Klopp has used and been forced to utilize across the course of this season yeah fair enough there we have it the Premier League section is complete Pau Torres wins in first place Vicario comes into second and Edson Alvarez perhaps the surprise pick comes in at number three very, very good. All right, let's move things on. In part two, we're going to be talking about the entirety of Europe. Put on your seatbelts. We're going on a road trip. Welcome back to Ranks FC. And it's that time again. Jack's doing a ranking. We know what this means. It could go on for a while. Jack's got five or four leagues to get through. Yeah, just Six. four you're doing, right? Just Six. Four. Six. We're going to keep oh them short. My goodness. Short and sweet. Right. Everyone, pull over the car, go for a nap, get ready. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jack, right. Jack is, uh, he, he's, you're well prepared, I imagine, mate. You know, you've, you've got about 20 minutes here, 20, 25 minutes to get through six leagues and rank signings. Um, I'm not going to hold this up any longer. I want you to start in Italy and I want you to start to give us the best value deals that we've seen across this season. Yeah, okay. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go into as much depth as we did with the Premier League, but I do have a lot of ground to cover, so we'll get stuck into it. Uh, I'm gonna start at number three in Italy, where I've gone Jan Sommer for six point seven five million euros from Borussia Mönchengladbach to Inter. Look, Inter haven't missed a beat since Andre Anana left, and I think that it was widely considered that Anana was probably the best goalkeeper across Europe last summer. They sold him for a massive profit and they brought in Jan Sommer who is more of a veteran was obviously at Gladbach and then went on loan to Bayern that loan ended and he went in to Inter they're setting defensive records in Serie A they have been far and away the most cohesive defensive unit and Sommer has basically been unruffleable I think he's been exceptional in terms of what he's brought to the table at San Siro at two I'm going to the other side of Milan uh, where I've put Christian Pulisic 17 million pounds from Chelsea to Milan. Seven goals, six assists in 23 games in the league. But I think more than that, we're starting to see the Christian Pulisic who was at Dortmund, who started off really well in the Premier League with Chelsea um, and really showing that ability and class again. And his goal at the weekend, yes, it didn't matter in the end, but to pull it back to two all 
was an absolute rocket. He came off the bench, set up Giroud for the first goal. This is with, you know, Milan having 10 men. And then scores an absolute scorcher to make it 2-all. Yes, they collapse, but that wasn't on him. And I think that we're starting to see that ability, that one-on-one ability, that desire to get into the box and get onto the end of chances, that creative instinct again. At £17 million, I think it feels like a really good deal. And look, if he wasn't playing well, this wouldn't matter. But I think you have to add in the commercial value that he adds to Milan here as well, because the shirt sales are obviously through the roof in the States. We're seeing the poster boy of USMNT football starting to get going again and and show that ability and showcase what he can do. And I think that's a good thing for everybody. It just feels like everyone is succeeding. And there are always going to be questions about Pulisic and what he brings to the table and whether he's good enough. But generally... I think that this has been an exceptional move. And to be honest, you could look at a lot of Milan's transfers in the summer. Tijani Reinders from, from RZ, Loftus-Cheek as well in, in recent weeks in particular, playing a little bit further up and, and showing what he can do. But I think Pulisic is probably the gem in that crown from where I'm seeing. And they've got a joint entry at number one, both from Bologna. Because in the summer, Bologna spent €4 million Euros on Riccardo Calfiori from Roma and €9 million Euros on Sam Berkema from RZ. And we're looking at a Bologna team that have put these two together as a centre-back partnership, have transformed them, Calafiori in particular, who was a flying wing-back at one point, into a really cohesive, really clever partnership. Only Torino, Juve and Inter have conceded fewer goals than Bologna across the course of Serie A this season. And these two, coming in for a combined 13 million euros, have been the bedrock on which that is based. And to bring in a whole new centre-back partnership is risky at the best of times, but to do it really on a pretty strict and stringent budget, 13 million, what, 10 million pounds, 11 million pounds, to bring in an entirely new centre-back unit and transform them like this, both young as well. I think they've been standout, lights out, the best signings in Serie A this season. And I've been so impressed by both of them across the course of it. Yeah, that's good. Um, I mean, look, let's face it, Serie A were raided last year. Um, so at a time when we're talking about good value transfers coming in, it was a summer where actually they were getting probably the a lot of value of, of getting players out of their clubs and having to accept that people were leaving. Hoyland left the league, Tonali left the league, Onana left the league, Kim Minye left the league, Milinkovic Savic left the league. Yeah. Um, Brozovic left the league. You know, there was loads of, of high-profile yeah. exits, wasn't there, from from Serie A. And so it was important that clubs could find a way in the market to move forward because it definitely wasn't a strong time for this league financially and they had to find good value. I thought you might have thrown Ruben Loftus-Cheek into the conversation from an AC Milan com, uh, point of view because I, I'm amazed myself at like what he's producing at the moment I guess like 15 million pound he moved to Milan from Chelsea um I guess you can't put two into two AC Milan players into the list you've already got Pulisic in there so I understand it I would have had Rinders ahead of him as well you could have done a Milan ranking I would have had Pulisic left his cheek and all three of them have been phenomenal signings absolutely yeah but um no I think that makes a lot of sense and as I say it was a league that had to find good value and it and then those players it seems like they absolutely have done yes absolutely absolutely right we're gonna drive north into germany and take a look at the bundesliga now and at three i'm going with benjamin sheshko who was 24 million euros from rb salzburg to rb leipzig now the caveat obviously being that it's a inter-club relationship that exists in its entirety already. And so maybe it wasn't complete market value between these two teams for Sheshko. But he did actually take a little while to get going. And I think we're only now really starting to see the quality that he brings. Three goals in his last four starts. And the one he blanked in was that Champions League game against Real Madrid, where he did actually put the ball in the back of the net and it was ruled out potentially unfairly. So it's been a very, very impressive Mm. couple of weeks for Zesko. And just in this kind of sense, as we talked about in the Premier League section, 24 million euros, 22 odd million pounds. What are you expecting someone to come in for Zesko in in a couple of years, considering his age, considering the profile, considering he has everything you need to be, you know, a standout centre forward. 
you're imagining that Leipzig at the very least double their money here, but probably triple it. And Lois Pender could have been in here as well. He was a little bit more expensive and probably has slightly less resale value. So that's why I went for Sheshko ahead of him. But another very, very smart piece of business from Leipzig. And say what you like about the Leipzig model and the RB model. And there are plenty of reasonable complaints you can have about it, especially in Germany, where it's seen as such a kind of sacrilege against the game. And I completely understand that. But in terms of their transfer policy and bringing players in and flipping them for very, very big amounts of money after bringing them in for relatively small ones, Chesco just looks like the latest in that line to be the guy that's going to be, okay, Leipzig are going to make another huge sale here. It's going to be Chesco. And uh, I expect him very much to continue fulfilling that trajectory. Got a joint entry at two uh, for Bayer Leverkusen. Granit Xhaka for 15 million euros from Arsenal and Jonas Hoffman for 10 million euros from Borussia Mönchengladbach. And both of them have been integral to this turnaround at Leverkusen. Both of them have been immense in what we're seeing. Chaka bringing that ability to just calm games down. I can't believe I'm saying this, but calm games down and, and actually that leadership and level of respect in the middle that allows them to just dominate has been immense. And Hoffman has long been a favorite of mine, but for 10 million euros, this seems like one of the most sensible pieces of business that anybody could have done. He is one of those players that is versatile, adaptable, sits in in loads of different places. But what he brings to this Leverkusen team, especially that link up and cohesion with Florian Witz in the number 10 role, allowing the two of them to sort of drift around around the striker and, and make sure that they have all the ability and all of the creative input to make them tick in the final third. I think he's been absolutely incredible. So, yeah, a joint entry for Leverkusen at two. 25 million euros to revamp the midfield in many ways with Chaka and Jonas Hoffman. Um, but at one, I'm going for Hugo Larsson for 9 million euros, joined Eintracht Frankfurt from Malmo. He's 19 years old and he's going to be a star. There have been links in the January window that Arsenal and Liverpool are both after him. And there was talk that Frankfurt are going to be looking for sort of 60 million pounds, which would mean they'd be looking at what, five, six times what they paid for him after a year in this league. He has a bit of everything. He's versatile, dynamic, but also, you know, Liverpool have, have linked him as the next Rodri, according to reports. He has a bit of that sense that he's played. He is and came in as a defensive midfielder. He's played a lot around that in, in, in the recent weeks. He's played a little bit further up the pitch as a box-to-box player. His progressive passing is remarkable. I think that the way he keeps the ball and, and makes those triangles tick in the middle of the park is, is very Roger reminiscent, but also that ability to read the game and cut out attacks. He's a big boy, you know, can, quite tall and, and can cover ground very nicely already. But this is going to be one where Frankfurt make a lot of profit very, very quickly because he already looks like he's ready for a Champions League club, I think. No, that's interesting. I mean, I would have automatically thought Xhaka would go in at number one there, but I'll have to trust your instincts uh, on last at number one. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like we should consider like what this league was in in terms of a condition. And, you know, you say you've not gone for Lois Appender. I think that's the right decision because he was a £37 million signing for RB Leipzig. And that pits him as one of the most expensive signings in the Bundesliga uh, from last summer. Obviously, the most expensive was, was Harry Kane joining from Tottenham. Excuse, excuse it a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you've got Kane up there at £100 million, And obviously, Kim's gone from Napoli to Bayern Munich for £43 million. And then you've got Lois Apinda coming in at like the third most expensive signing um, of the summer. So I think you have to put it into context of what the league spends. And you can't really consider it to be that good of value for money if it's the third most expensive transfer of the summer. Again, it was a, a league that was raided and Kunku left for Chelsea. Diaby left for Villa. Sobosai went to Liverpool. Uh, Kyle Moani went to PSG. Gvardiol went to Man City. Bellingham went to Real Madrid, like the Bundesliga lost a lot of big names. And yeah, when they were replacing them, uh, it wouldn't have been easy. Granite Xhaka to emerge as one of the best value signings is a surprise to most of us, I think, but absolutely fits with the model that Xavi Alonso has been successful with. And just from Sesco, I mean, 
he is going to be a star like globally um the only reason they won't make too much money on him is he's got a 43 million release clause um which a few clubs are starting to look at um, it should be as well for that kind of money the the potential that Sheshko has is pretty stunning i think yeah absolutely so Man United long-term admirers, I don't think they'll go there now because of where they are with Hoyland. But no surprise to see the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal looking um, at the summer and pondering whether they should be in that conversation if they're looking for someone that's a bit better value than someone like Victor Ozzyman or Ivan Tony. Um, but yeah, good ranking, Matt. Good. Excelente. Well, let's Take go from Germany to Spain. Let's follow the Jude Bellingham route. And I think it's probably important to talk about Jude at the top here. He's not going to be in this 3-2-1 because, Ooh. again, when you spend Declan this Rice kind reasons. of money, Declan Rice reasons, when you spend this kind of money, you expect a superstar. That's exactly what Real Madrid have got. And have they got more than maybe they, even they expected? Yeah. What's Jude Bellingham worth now? 150, 200 million? I don't know. But I don't think anyone's going to pay that. So it kind of becomes irrelevant at, at that kind of monetary level. But I think that, you know, you have to have Jude in there. Has he been the signing of the season in La Liga? By a distance, yes. Has he been the best value signing? I don't know. Because I think that when you're looking at these, you know, smaller deals, maybe there's there's a space to kind of grow into. But I don't think that's any slight on Jude. And also, without being funny, we speak about him all the time because he's that brilliant and he's dominated the headlines. So it's okay to to kind of leave him out of these ones. And instead, I'm going to go small in Spain because I think that actually you look at the deals that Real Madrid, that Atleti, that Barcelona did, there's nothing jumping out and jumping at me to say, oh, these are the ones that you're looking at. So instead, I'm going to start on the island in Mallorca where they signed Samu Costa for 3 million euros from Almeria. Now, Mallorca are in a Copa del Rey semi-final. It's nil-nil after the first leg against Real Sociedad, although the second leg is at Anoeta, and you'd expect them to probably lose that. They're above the relegation zone, and I think Samu Costa has been absolutely exceptional. There is a reason that Mallorca have the best goals against in the bottom eight of the league, and so much of it is to do what Samu Costa does at the base of midfield. For €3 million, Euros, he has been exceptional. And he was exceptional at Almeria. And there was a player that I kind of was a bit surprised that no one else took a gamble on at this kind of price point because he felt like the kind of player that has that scope to grow. And I think we could be looking at someone who will be knocking on the door of the Portugal national team before too long. He might need a move before that really comes to fruition. But I think that when we're looking at players who are jumping out and exceeding their value. What Samu Costa brings to Mallorca, almost ever present in this team, is immense. And if they were to be relegated, and I don't think they will be because I think he's good enough to almost save them single-handedly, someone is going to be able to pick up an incredible defensive midfielder at a ridiculously low price point. Um, Just one to keep an eye on. I think he's a real talent. And for, for this kind of price... There aren't many better deals, I think, across anywhere yeah. last summer. Um, at two, I've gone for Artem Dovbik, 7.75 million euros from Dnipro in Ukraine to Girona. 14 goals and five assists in 23 games for Girona's number nine. He oh, is a complete man. handful, a complete striker, and his adaptation to a top five league has been seamless. He has been such a brilliant outlet for Girona. He does a little bit of everything, I think, in the middle. And those complete strikers that we've talked about for a couple of years now coming into really their own, it's not enough to have you know, little bits of everything. You have to be able to do a lot as a solo number nine, especially in a system like Michel's as Girona. He has been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And a key reason why they've gone from a side challenging for a Europa Conference League spot to a side that until last weekend were challenging for the title. It's been immense. Uh, one of those campaigns that will be looked back at as you know one of the great, one of the great single campaigns from anyone. And uh, Dov yeah. has been so key to that. Yeah, mate, you know how much I love this guy. Like, I wanted him at Fulham. Um, a couple of Premier League teams did look at him in the past. Everton had a sniff. Nottingham Forest had a sniff. But... Dovbeck's so good. I mean, like, that is just a ridiculous price. Six million pounds. Like, if a Premier, if one of those Premier League teams would have gone for him, they'd have just stuck a one in front of it, I imagine, straight away. Um, just as, just because that's where he was going. 
Because if you could have got a striker like that into the league for £6 million, it'd be the, one of the best signings of all time. Like, There's not many that are fail-proof, but there are so many teams that he would fit into across Europe, not just the Premier League, where I do think he would actually be fail-proof. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and look, those five assists are important. It's not he's not just an out and out goal scorer. He brings others into play. His ability to to hold the ball up and, and allow the players around him to succeed as well, I think, is important. So mm-hmm. yeah, Dovbik in there. They also had a shout for Jangel Herrera at, at five million euros, who signed from City, although he has never played a game for City. But I just kind of left that one be because of the interclub thing. Yeah, the, the city football group. Well, I didn't say that about Sheshko, so I'm not going to say about Herrera. But I think it's important. I've been cheating in terms of the ranking and in terms of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but number one, I'm going to go for Pepelu, who signed for 5 million euros for Valencia from their cross-city rivals Levante. Now, this was a controversial transfer because Pepelu had signed a lifetime contract with Levante and the next year he was sold to not only you know a different club but to Levante's greatest rivals mm. the team from across the city it was a deal that potentially saved Levante financially and so therefore probably needs to be concerned but it was one of those that was very emotionally charged and you can see why people were so upset to lose Pepelu because he's one of the key reasons that Valencia have gone from being a side that were in the relegation scrap until the final day of last season to being in the you know in the hunt for a European place, and there are more reasons than this. The turnaround has been very very impressive under Baraja, and I think that when we're seeing you know this Valencia side and the changes and the youthfulness and the academy graduates that are suddenly back in the team and and powering them forward, it's all that's all great, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm really loving watching Valencia at the moment. But Pepelu in the middle. Just that sense of, okay, I'm not actually that much older than you, but I have the experience. I've been there and done it. I've done it in the Skunda. I've done it in the Primera. I can do it in both divisions. And he's been such a calm, assured presence, almost ever present. For 5 million euros in the center of the park, you'll struggle to find a better value transfer than this across Europe. Yeah. Infinity contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on, mate. No, funny that, isn't it? Turns out. Weird, weird. (laughs) Um, Right, onwards again, let's go to France. Um, And I'm going to start at three with Thiago Sant, who signed for 6.5 million euros from Estoril in Portugal to Lille. 21-year-old Portuguese starlet, and he's started in the team, got dropped for a little while, and has worked his way back in there now. And Paulo Fonseca, who's obviously a, a fellow Portuguese speaker, Lucifone, has already said that he wants to see more from him. He's, he's talked about the fact that he's still so young. He's still only played one senior season in Portugal before he made this move to Lille. But I see everything here in terms of a potential future right back at the very top level. At the moment, he's a little bit too attacking. He's got a little bit too much of a, oh my God, let's get involved in the attack and leave himself a little bit defensively vulnerable. But... I think that will be ironed out. And we're already seeing the the improvements in that game under Fonseca. Lille have been really, really impressive this season. They're currently in the Champions League spots. And I think that when and as he develops, it's going to take a couple of years, but people are going to start to take notice of Thiago Sanz. He's a player that you should be keeping an eye on. Um, just in terms of, if, you, if you're into your fullbacks, Thiago Sanz at Lille is, is someone that I think you should be Bearing in mind, because I think big profits soon come for Lille on this one. At two, I've gone with Teddy Tumor, who is the other end of the spectrum. He's 30 years old, signed for 4.6 million euros from Union Saint-Gilois in Belgium to Chaim. He was USG captain, and he's come into this Rheim side and has made the step up seamlessly. And again, another one that you go, okay, he's played pretty much all of his career outside of the top five leagues. How is he going to adapt? He's on the wrong side of, you'd imagine... For a midfielder, that perfect age bracket, which is probably somewhere from sort of 26 to 29. And it hasn't been a problem at all. He's been a really key part of how Rem have kept going this season and how they've continued to develop and improve. And his experience in the middle here, I think, has been invaluable just in terms of shaping and helping to guide a side that's still quite young across the course of it. And, and a manager who's obviously still very young in, in Will Still. But I've been really, really impressed with Teddy Tumor. But at number one, I've gone for Jake O'Brien. One million euros from Crystal Palace to Lyon. Established as a key starter immediately after joining from the Palace Academy. 22 years old, 
Irish centre-back, never made a senior appearance. He scored some massive goals in the darkest period of Leon's season. Now, they're starting to move away from the relegation zone. They're starting to you know, put together a string of some decent results. But when the night was darkest, Jake O'Brien was the leading light and he signed for 1 million euro. And I think that when we're seeing that and looking at a, a player here who's walked in to the Leon starting 11 and gone, yep, I'm here. I'm going to be an absolutely key member of this team. That's a pretty remarkable deal considering there was pretty much no senior experience to fall back on. And Leon have plucked a gem out of the Palace Academy here. Yeah, amazing, really. Like, didn't even feature for Palace um, and was, like, sent out on some random loans. Um, I'm Obviously, I know very, very little about how this has gone for him in Lyon. But one to make the list at 1 million euros, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, you're almost worth a million euros in the current market. So I hope that's so. just the way things... <laughs> I oh, wish, wait, anyway. Young swivel hips are going. But um <laughs> but yeah, that is a remarkable transfer. Um to get any value. If a player is even on the pitch and they cost that little, then you're getting some value out of them. But to actually be having such an impact is remarkable. Yeah, he's having a stunning season and, and Leon Oh yeah, plucked a gem. It's not just because he's Irish you're putting him in there. Well, this is the thing. He made like nine appearances for Cork City before he moved to Palace and joined the under-23 setup. He went out on loan a couple of times. I think he was at Swindon, didn't really make an impact there. And I think he went out to Belgium, I'm going to say. And he had a good season, but no one was really paying any attention, apart from Leon, apparently, who were like, yep, that's available. We will be having that. Thank you very much. And yeah, a really, really brilliant piece of business. So Jake O'Brien tops the list. Shouts out, Jake. Cap for the boys in green soon come, I think. Wow. Very exciting. Very exciting. How many countries have we done, Matt? Done four. Two to go. But these two are the quickest. So we're going to roll quickly through Portugal and the Netherlands. We're going to start in Portugal. Um, and at number three, I've gone for Morten Hulmund, who joined Sporting for 18 million euros from Lecce. They're going to make a serious profit here. He already looks the real deal in this midfield. And you look at the players that have come through the sporting midfield. And we talked about it a bit last week, right? But Joao Polina, Mateusz Nunes. We're talking about players who have gone on and made big moves for big money mm-hmm. and are being touted as you know players that have signed for, in Nunes' case, obviously Manchester City. Bayern were trying to sign Polina last year. Hulmund is of the same mould and having the same kind of impact in his debut season alongside Hidemasa Marito, who I really like. I think that he's been sensational and they're going to make, yeah, they're going to make big money here. So Hulman goes in at three. I'm going to go for Rodrigo Salazar at two. Five million euros from Schalke to SC Braga. Started in seamlessly into this Braga side. Can do a bit of everything in the midfield. Started off as a kind of deeper lying player um, in recent weeks. Has moved up the pitch into a sort of box-to-box and then into an attacking midfield role. Has really added some, some goals and assists into his game as well. But for five million euros, Salazar... Looks a really, really good signing for Braga, and I'm excited about seeing him develop. But at number one, there could only be one man, Victor Jokeres. £20 million from Coventry City to Sporting. 28 goals and 11 assists in 31 games. The man is a production Mm. machine. He has been sensational from the moment he set foot in Lisbon. And I think there are a lot of teams, especially in the Premier League, who will be kicking themselves that they didn't splash out this £20 million last summer because there, were, there was plenty of interest. Jokeres had shown that he could do it in the Championship. His profile fitted the jump to a, a top league and Sporting were the one that took the gamble on him. He's been immense, immense. Um, there's not much more I can add. His numbers speak for themselves. It's just incredible what he's doing there. I'm told he probably won't be coming to the Premier League either because he sees his route to be with it on the continent. Um, look, even the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, he thinks he could end up at. If he, if he plays this right, if he takes his career trajectory in the right way, he thinks he could end up at a top Champions League club. And I'm told that that's not necessarily one of the English ones. He thinks he actually might fare better by staying away from the Premier League and doing it elsewhere. Obviously, if they were to get big money for Victor Jokeres, then that money is more likely to come to the 
from the Premier League because even your middle of the road Premier League team is probably willing to spend fifty million pound on him at this stage. Right, I don't think they're going to spend for anything less than six figures, to be honest. Yeah, um, but yeah, this guy is, is clearly hitting the radar of all the big clubs at the moment. And it'll be very interesting to see where that next step comes from, because I'd imagine it's probably only about a year away. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it maybe does one more year in sporting, but it's going to be very interesting to see how that develops. Nine figures, I mean, not six. Obviously, six figures would be a very, very good deal for... <laughs> £900,000. For Victor, Victor Jokeres' quality. And um, right, just going to quickly finish in the Netherlands, in the Eredivisie. At three, I've gone David Muller-Wulfer, who joined RZ from Brann for €2.5 million. Euros, and was a replacement for Milos Kerkes, who obviously went off to Bournemouth. That was always going to be hard. Um, and there's nowhere near the same production levels, but for 2.5 million euros, I think Wolfer feels like he's growing into it a little bit. And I think that they'll be able to make a, another profit here on him. That was a big, big gap to fill and he's doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm been pretty pleased with what I've seen when I, when I've caught RZ. Um, number two is Jerdy Schalten, who joined PSV Eindhoven from Bologna for 12 million euros. It's such a key part of this PSV team, holds the fort down, allows the rest of the creative types in this midfield to basically maraud at will. Really, really tidy player. And again, we talked before about number sixes and players in this kind of defensive midfield role who allow, you know, who are going for big, big money for 12 million euros. I think that they found themselves a real bargain here, PSV. And yeah, he's been a big part of how dominant they've been domestically. And then number one, I've gone Calvin Stengs, who moved back to the Netherlands uh, for €6 million Euros from Nice to Feyenoord. Five goals and eight assists in 20 games. Really enjoying being back in his homeland. Still only 26. He's played a slightly different role this year. He's played basically alongside or just behind Santi Jimenez. For a lot of his career, he's played out on, on the flank and tried to cut inside. And that's what managers have asked of him. But on a slot, has allowed him to roam a little bit more, be a little bit more of a marauding forward. And you're seeing the explosivity and the creativity around the box, which was why he was so highly touted before he made that move to Nice. And obviously he's had to return and it's not obviously great in terms of he was he thought he was making that jump to, to kickstart his career into superstardom. But this renaissance that we've seen for 6 million euro, I think it's stunning. So yeah, shout out Calvin Stengs, having a really good time of it back in his motherland. Superb, mate. Yeah, nice resurgent story there to end on. Um, it's funny, really, isn't it, when you consider the figures that we were talking about and being good value for money in the Premier League section, and then when you get to the other leagues, just what is considered to be better value for money over there just goes to show that um, the context that we are evaluating things in and probably right to put a break in between those, all those leagues because Premier League just still continues to get ripped off year after year after year. But do you know what? In Big Vic, I still say that that £16 million deal, if we were to do an overall rank in there, that one was probably still standing out as a very good one. Even though it didn't come top of my list, I'm still quite um, happy with to have have him in that list. And you're right to have, uh, have labelled him as one of the best signings of last summer when we originally went through the list. So well done, mate. You did a, a good... Uh, well, road trip there through six countries. Hopefully, it wasn't what? too long. I felt like I, I felt like it was it was a little bit of a rattle shirt, but we got through it. You did fine, mate. You did fine, and we've just got enough time to do um, a little bit at the end. Indeed, indeed. Well, after the break, we got a very special guru wisdom. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, and it's time for some guru wisdom. What you got for me, boys? Guru wisdom, guru wisdom, guru wisdom. Hey, go on, the boys. It's not me this week. Well, not just me, anyway. We've got a little email in, haven't we, Jack? We do, from Chris Carter, who messaged on Twitter, and I said to send this in as an email because Chris has got a good idea. He said, hello, mates. I hope all is well, boys. I wanted to run a new segment idea by you. I've been watching more and more soccer these days, but I've yet to pick a favourite team in any of the major European leagues. Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga and Serie A. Sorry, not sorry, Liga. Hey. Not everyone can watch everything. So I was hoping I could provide a bit about me and what I fancy and you could choose my teams for me and my girlfriend who unwillingly ends up watching most soccer games I have on. I'm sure there are other fans like me out there who have a love for the game but no specific team to root for yet. If this kicks on, maybe you could encourage others like me to write in and provide a bit about themselves and help pick their teams as well. So I love this idea because in the BR days, I actually did the same thing but in reverse for my NFL team. I went on the Stick to Football podcast, which was under the BR roof at the time. 
and Connor Rogers, who some of you may know in the States, especially those of you of a Jets persuasion, helped me to pick an NFL team. And they originally picked the New Orleans Saints, um, which I was going to go for. And it was all very good until I realized they were favorites for the trophy that year. They didn't win it, but they were favorites. And I was like, I can't have that. I, I support misery. And so Connor inducted me as a Jets fan. And, and that was that. So <laughs> shout out to Connor um, and shout out to Chris for even letting us in. And we're going to hope to help him out in the same way that Connor helped in inverted commas me. So a little bit about Chris. I live just outside NYC in New Jersey. I bench press 250 pounds, deadlift 400 pounds and squat 300 pounds. Just kidding. I'm a New York CFC supporter when it comes to MLS. The pigeon nickname lured me in. I can't stand to root for the Barcelona's, Real Madrid's, Bayern's, Man City's, etc. of the world. They're far too dominant and I don't want to watch blowout after blowout each week. Plus, what's exciting about winning the league title for the 10th consecutive time? There's no thrill in that. I prefer a team that sits mid-table most years and occasionally cracks the Europa League or even the Champions League. I appreciate an entertaining play style, a high press that could leave the opposition breakouts. I cannot stand the Barcelona style of just passing it 900 plus times a game to only advance into the opposition's half four times. I enjoy a team that's active during transfer windows. Please not Chelsea though. I appreciate eccentric coaches who celebrate on the sidelines and can sometimes make it about them. I'm looking at you, Jose. My favorite player growing up was Sergio Ramos. I love a hulking defender. Hopefully this provided you with enough information to pick some clubs for me. Ideally, I'd have four total. One each from the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga and the Bundesliga. Cheers, Chris. All right, Chris. I think we can help you out here. Dean? Mm. Yeah, so we'll start with the Premier League. Um, I feel like he needs to support Brighton. Do you? Because my immediate thought with some of the discussions here was Tottenham Hotspur. Potentially, yeah. I mean, Tottenham was my idea in terms of if he wants like a London club. I thought, right, he's New York, New Jersey. Okay, maybe I should be looking for a similar yeah, but, base. Yeah, Brighton's only an hour well, outside of London. That's a little bit yeah, Jersey. Yeah, so I was trying to think, right, I was trying to consider that. And I thought Tottenham and West Ham were two London teams I had on my radar. Um, He's an entertaining play style. We've got a rule out there. Yeah. West so West Ham, Ham got knocked out. So Tottenham were there, but Tottenham have only been entertaining for a very short period of time. And I think if he wants a team that is going to entertain, that is going to exceed expectations, at the moment they've got a pretty flamboyant coach who, who knows how long he'll be there. But even if Deserby leaves, then I think they'll replace him with somebody of a similar stature and similar personality. Um, they have just qualified for Europe. They might be able to crack the Champions League places at some point. They In transfer windows, they pull off some of the best business you're going to see. They'll get good value deals of their own, um, but they'll also sell a reasonably good Premier League player for like £100 million and you can celebrate that. I think Brighton's a good fit for him, mate. Um, so top... He'll, he can have the choice there. If he wants a team with a bit more Premier League stature and fame, then go for Tottenham. And also the best stadium probably in the Premier League. Yeah, if you want to go, then go to Tottenham. But if you want something that's a little bit different, it sounds like he might want, I would venture towards Brighton. Yeah, I like it. I like it as a shout. I like both of them. Um, and and you're right in that Brighton have, have been doing this for a little while now. And there's there's a little bit more jeopardy probably uh, associated with it. Um, but also, I mean, there's a lot of misery attached to supporting Tottenham. Don't get me wrong, but um, they might be about to turn a corner. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Okay. I think that's a that's a good start. A good start. Brighton or maybe Tottenham. But I think Brighton Brighton feels like the the right guess. So let's let's go with Brighton for that one. Shall we go to the Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, do you want to support a middling club in Bundesliga? I think if you want to have some hope of actually celebrating someone, you've got to have one of the up-and-comers, one of the clubs that's going to challenge. Personally, if, if I was... to start supporting Leverkusen at this point... Yep, you can't be Leverkusen. So I don't think you could do that. Bayern is too late. So, I mean, the obvious jump is Borussia Dortmund. And I don't one of the most famous and and you know storied clubs in the world, but I think that there might be. I think there might. Be I'd go Leipzig. Players. Yeah, but everybody hates Leipzig. And but that Chris doesn't seems matter like to him nice if he lives bloke. in America. Chris it seems does like not a nice matter bloke. to somebody. Like I think, I think RB Leipzig are actually a really good team to follow in Germany because you get to learn so much 
about players and coaches and sporting directors of the future and understand a, a, the running of a different model club. Not a million miles away from what Brighton are about, I guess. But I actually think within Europe, I would not recommend you follow RB Leipzig. For someone that lives in America, I would say follow RB Leipzig because I think they've got a good chance of winning the Bundesliga in the next couple of years. They're incredibly entertaining to watch. And I will give you yeah. that. Um, and obviously, the, they're the great Red team Bull, to follow. The great Red team Bull to system watch. does add into the high press, et cetera, that, that Chris is talking about yeah. in, in his email. So I, I can understand that. Um, I don't think I could feasibly throw my support behind anyone supporting Leipzig, but I appreciate the, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Nonetheless, I'd probably go Frankfurt, Eintracht. There's something quite special about Eintracht, I think. Um, they're an incredibly frustrating team to follow, but there's something quite special about them. So, so that's, that's one to consider. I'm going to go into Serie A next. And the answer for you in Serie A is you come and join me at Fiorentina. Because whilst Bologna is a great story and we're seeing an incredible surge um, around Bologna and what they do this season... I'm not 100% sure it's sustainable, but I do think the Fiorentina are in this kind of mix. And as one of the old seven sisters, famous seven sisters of, of Italian football, with maybe the most iconic shirts of the lot, the famous Fiorentina purple, I think there's not much you could, could go wrong. It's an incredible, fun club, incredibly frustrating, but the highs are really high. Had some really good cup runs in recent years. I think Fiorentina is the answer in Serie A, although if you went Atalanta, I wouldn't hate it. No, go for Fiorentina. Uh, learn about Batistuta, watch some old tape on YouTube, um, order yourself a purple shirt. Um, yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely spawn. And then we come to La Liga and we're going to stay outside of the traditional big three because Chris doesn't want that. Although... I think Atleti isn't the worst shout in the world, but he said he wants an entertaining play style. Simeone isn't going anywhere for a while. So we'll maybe stray away from that. Do, is the, I think the answer is one of the two Basque clubs. I think the answer well, is we'll either Athletic or Real Sociedad. If he likes being frustrated, then he's at, I mean, we're not recommending someone goes and supports Real Sociedad, mate, not with our attachments and our Basque roots. We can't mm. do that. But I, but I do really like Real Sociedad as a football club. They're incredibly entertaining. It's an amazing place. If you go and visit, you get to go to San Sebastián. Anoeta is one of the coolest grounds that you'll see anywhere in Europe. The fans are amazing. And obviously there is that friendship. And this is the thing, you say this, but we've been to the Derby. And we know that there is and exists that friendship between Athletic and Real Sociedad and that, that brotherhood in the Basque nation. So I don't feel bad about that. In many ways, I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel guilty about recommending it, despite our associations with Athletic. Or else, Sociedad are a team that have been in and around the European places for some time now. They've built something very special. That hyper local element. They play an incredibly entertaining style of football. There's a lot to like. He can make his pick. He picks one of them. There Let us go. know which one you pick. Yeah, the Basque, the Basque sides, though. Athletic. You're literally sat doing this podcast in an Athletic Club T-shirt. I am, yeah. I know. <laughs> You're literally I, I sat there in a red Athletic Club top saying, yeah, you should support Real Sociedad. What are you doing, man? Look, if it was about what clubs I support, then we would we'd have a different, we'd be having a different conversation. I'm trying to help Chris out here. This isn't about me. I'm not making it about you. It's a... Uh... One of those two. Come on, last one. There you go. That's it. That's it. That's the fourth. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's if it. you want to support French clubs, support PSG. Yeah, don't do that <laughs> against all costs. But uh, we, we can come back to France later down the line. If anybody else wants to get involved with this game and is looking for clubs in Europe or have clubs in certain areas and want some guidance or maybe some other clubs that they could start to follow, uh, we, you can send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram and we'll have a look. If we get a couple of responses, maybe we'll bring this segment back for another Guru Wisdom later down the line but thank you very much Chris for trusting us with a big decision but also for sending that email in it was lots of fun and we thought it was a good way to end this podcast and on that bombshell I think it's probably time for us to call it a day so all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to my co-host Mr Dean Jones cheers mate I've been Jack Collins this has been Ranks FC thank you so much for listening as ever we'll be back later on tonight or first thing tomorrow morning depending on where you are in the world with a Champions League takeaway looking at 
all four of the games this week as we get to the end of the first legs of the round of 16. All very exciting. We'll see you very shortly, Rank Squad. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.